I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute, and if you are new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from The Cut and my general pop culture musings. Y'all, I know lately I've been having a lot of updates, but I think the problem is that I've just been waiting kind of a long time between my episodes because clearly I'm still just having trouble getting on an actual schedule. And in the meantime, while I'm between episodes, I keep this running list on my phone of like insane notes about what I want to talk about. And if someone else read it, they would literally have no idea what I'm getting at and what I'm saying. But it has some rhyme and reason to me. Again, just a little behind the scenes glimpse for you guys. Um, As usual, I would love it if you rate, reviewed, and subscribed. And especially if you're on Apple iTunes, I would love it if you gave me a written review. And don't forget that I will send you a kind of cute sticker. Just DM me at kind of cute podcast on Instagram or at Bailey Evan, your address. And I promise I'll send you that sticker lickety split. All right. I wanted to give a little Bon Appetit update first. So I... Maybe I did credit her, but I just want to make sure I was correctly crediting one of the people who kind of broke this whole Bon Appetit thing apart. And her name is at Tammy ETC on Twitter. And it's T-A-M-M-I-E-E-T-C. And she has just been going in on Condé Nast. Uh, I also felt like I would insert some of the audio from my interview with Alex Delaney because back when I did episode 13, I don't even think I knew how to insert audio. So as of now, I don't believe he has been suspended, fired. If he has, it hasn't been publicly stated and he has been silent on social media. He has not been on Twitter. I think he deleted his Twitter account. He has not released another Instagram apology after the Confederate flag one. And I apologize that I'm not giving much context to this, but if you go back a couple episodes where we talked about Adam Rappaport stepping down, you can get the whole backstory on this. And another interesting thing I found about the Alex Delaney part of this story is Marissa Ross, who I followed on Instagram for a while. I read her book about wine before I even knew that she was associated with or worked with Bon Appetit. And I love that book. I felt like it broke down wine in a really simple, digestible way and just gave me kind of a newfound passion for learning about it. So I love that book. I highly recommend it. And Marissa posted on her Instagram because she is the wine editor for Bon Appetit Mag, but she basically works as an independent contractor. She lives in LA, so she's not like in the uh, Condé Nast building in New York. And she, in her post, kind of breaks down her feelings about Bon Appetit, and it doesn't seem overly positive. And she says, you know, she's standing by the BA staff who's working to make it more equitable and a more equal place. She does note that Rappaport was one of her biggest supporters, but he also caused harm and he's not exempt from being held accountable for that harm or perpetuating the white supremacy of Condé Nast. But why I bring this all up is I felt like it was very, very relevant that she says, coincidentally, a less qualified white man then got a raise and promotion and tried to edge me out of the mag almost entirely this year. Now, she doesn't explicitly say this is Alex Delaney, but Alex Delaney was promoted to drinks editor, and I think it's pretty clear that this is an indirect at at him, which I found added this whole other layer because 
I always thought they were friends. When she was in the city, they would go out for drinks together. Again, am I alarmed I know this much about these people's lives? Yes, I am. I know. It's disturbing. But... (laughs) Again, I just thought they were friends. So it's like fascinating to me that this stuff can be going on behind the scenes and, you know, you're not aware of it. Now, the other huge Bon Appetit update has to do with Matt Hunziker. He goes by Hunzi and he is the main video editor for It's Alive, which is Brad Leone's show. It's really one of their most popular shows. And I believe it's sort of what got Bon Appetit on the map of being an internet beloved piece of content and he just has a very distinct editing style a really (laughs) hilarious sense of humor he's a stand-up comedian on the side so you can tell that he clearly takes like the humor of his videos very seriously and he was very vocal after all this stuff came out about Adam Rappaport and he tweeted stuff like why would we hire someone who's not racist when we could simply checks industry handbook uh hire a racist and provide them with anti-racism training and it felt to me like a lot of the people of color who worked at Bon Appetit were saying that Hunzi was an ally to them like Ryan who was Rappaport's assistant that we also talked about back in that other episode well it's now come out that he has been suspended so it's in a business insider article and it says that Oren Katzev said during a June 25th staff meeting that Hunziker has been suspended pending investigation by the company, according to a recording reviewed by Business Insider. So that's also interesting to me. Like, were they aware that they were being recorded during this meeting? I feel like someone was covertly recording them. And it says there has been many concerns raised about Matt that the company is obligated to investigate and he has been suspended until we reach a resolution, a Condé Nast spokesperson said in a statement. Now, some people have spoken out and making it seem like Matt was literally fired for speaking out about being anti-racist. So clearly, like, what is the issue here? We haven't even heard whether or not whether Delaney is suspended, and yet Hunzi has been suspended for speaking out against racism. And again, I'm not saying that Delaney should be suspended or fired. I don't really know what the right recourse there is. But I just think it's really interesting when Bon Appetit has a magnifying glass on them right now, and they're firing someone who's clearly brought their company so many eyeballs on their channel and from all accounts seems to be an ally so I don't know. I'm Again, I'm very interested to see where that goes. I almost guarantee we'll probably have another update on that next week. Moving on, as usual, I have been just consuming so much stuff lately. I read the Hunger Games prequel. It's called The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And I was a huge Hunger Games fan when it, when it came out. I remember like reading it in my dorm room in college and just being like, this is so good. I'm so into it. I was such a PETA fan, obviously, like, fuck Gale. Um, So I read this, and the prequel actually focuses on President Snow, who, if you are familiar with the series The Hunger Games, President Snow is the most, one of the most unlikable characters in any dystopian novel, I would say. He's, He's vile. He's a vile character. So my sister, who is like my YA aficionado, Danny, she was like, I'm not even going to read it. I don't need to hear a redemption arc about Snow. I don't need to feel sympathy for him. So I just wanted to let anyone, this very niche audience out there know that if you're worried about this book being a redemption arc for Snow, don't worry about that. He is 
vile, disgusting, misogynistic. So it was weird reading a protagonist who just, you just don't like at all. It wasn't like Maleficent where you're like, yeah, you're a badass bitch. Like in that, the Angelina Jolie video, it was not like that. At the end, you're just like, what the fuck did I just read? We've also been watching Dear White People. We finished season one of that. Highly recommend that. It's so well done. We watched Athlete A, which is about the Dr. Nasser and the U.S. Olympics gymnastics team. And it's crazy to me because it has so many parallels to when the priest, you know, diddling little boy scandal came out. I'm sorry, that made it sound like so flippant. But you know what I mean? Like when the priest's rape sex scandal came out and just the parallels between it and basically the cover-ups that happened within the USA Gymnastics organization. And I very much enjoyed watching it as much as you can enjoy watching something on a dark subject matter like that. And speaking of sexual allegations, both Ansel Elgort and Justin Bieber had some pretty hefty sexual abuse allegations thrown at them Ansel kind of gave a non-apology and just saying well like I just ghosted her and clearly she wasn't happy that I ghosted her and that's why she's having backlash now because I believe she was 17 at the time and not that he was much older than her but again it's it's a little problematic and I don't think his apology it it left you wanting you know which is it's just sad because again it's like I said about like throwing a rock and you can hit a white male in Hollywood who maybe hasn't done things that are so great. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe maybe Ansel will eventually redeem himself. There always is multiple sides to his story, but yeah, not a great look. Justin Bieber, though, on the other hand, brought the receipts debunking basically the allegations against him. And the last thing I read, it was that he is maybe going to bring a $20 million lawsuit based on these allegations. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, Moving on from sexual abuse allegations, we have Ja Rule's viral Euro commercial is actually from a new TV show by Rebecca Alter. Okay, so first up, when I saw this commercial, I did not think this was in any way connected to a TV show. So I'm sorry I kind of spoiled this for you guys. It is such a wild commercial. It's Jaw Rule on a green screen of video of a Greek restaurant. And he's talking about how good their pita is. He's mispronouncing all of the Greek names. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny, though. And if you'll recall, Jaw Rule was like really caught up in all of the fire Festival stuff. He kind of got off the hook for everything, I feel like, but I definitely feel like he was a bad player in all of that. And he knew that Firefest was going to be a complete shit show and did not do it enough to help stop that from happening. But it turns out that this Greek commercial, which just seems like a little low-budge Greek commercial that a little mom-and-pop store had somehow hired Ja Rule to give press for. It make you want to slap your mama! Pop Christo's got the best motherfucking gyros, gyros. You ever f***ing ate your life so good? Think one, think two. You got to have Peter's, Peter's, Pop Christo, Peter's. They got everything. I'm going to just give you a rundown of some of my favorites. They got tzatziki, octopod tequila, whatever, but it's good. Avalon mono soup. And they got wine too. 
just listen. Okay. So Ja Rule told Page Six that the ad in which he dances and shouts Opa in front of a green screen of Greek delicacies is part of a promotion for his new TBS series, Celebrity Show Off. I'm a marketing genius, and this is all working exactly how I want it to, Ja Rule told Page Six after 50 Cent made fun of the ad on social media. Ja Rule explained that the premise of the show is we create our own TV shows within the show. And so it's it's a show about who can, which celebrity can produce the most compelling content from their homes. And we have Nene Leakes, Jason Mraz, Bella Thorne, all competing. And <laughs> this Vulture article writes that the Ja Papa Christo's video is nothing if not compelling content. And this comes from the same twisted minds behind The Masked Singer. I guess it premiered earlier this week. Um... And it shows Ja Rule having a consultation with Papa Cristo himself. And then the article says, maybe Ja Rule can get him to cater the next fire festival. Ooh, zinger. So I just thought that was really funny. I hope you enjoy the audio of that. Go watch it on YouTube. It really kind of brightened my day. Raven Simone, if you remember her from That's So Raven, married her love, Miranda Midday. So that was adorable. She had like a little rainbow dreads and... During Pride Month, adorable. We love that for them. Emma Roberts is allegedly pregnant with Garrett Hedlund. And all I'm concerned about is how does Evan Peters feel about this? Are Halsey and Evan Peters still together? I would love their hot take on this. I'm also just freaked because we talked about Stassi being pregnant. And Stassi is a huge Emma Roberts fan. And she even was able to get her on her podcast. And I'm like, I wonder if Emma and Stassi have been you know, talking about their their pregnancy bods. Next up, we have a very unexpected pairing. And this is Aiza Gonzalez and our boy Timothee Chalamet. Uh, they were spotted kissing in Cabo. Now, Timmy is only 24 and Aiza is 30. You might know Aiza, you might not. She was in Baby Driver is really the only role I know her from. Baby Driver. Uh, she plays the female lead in that, I guess. Um, so, yeah, these pictures are wild because I'm just like, why are they partying in Cabo with their friends at a time like this? Like, it really goes to show you that celebrities just hold themselves to a different standard when it comes to global pandemics I guess um and this is also kind of timely and relevant because Aisa just recently apologized for wearing blackface in a telenovela she was in and this is was like intense intense blackface like her whole body was painted she was only 15 at the time and like I said it was for a telenovela so she's saying that she at the time she was so young she had no control over what happened on the show she had no creative control they were basically just like would put her in this and throw her out there to act um so on to an article from The Cut where written by Hannah Gold when she talks about Timmy and Aiza potentially dating. And she writes, Neither party has commented on the status of this affair, but clearly they are engaging in the early stages of the classical celebrity courtship ritual, which are, one, making out, and two, in bathing suits, three, near a pool. If all goes well, then one day soon, they will self-consciously walk the streets of a major metropolitan center holding hands and drinking matching Starbucks orders. So what I learned from these pics is that Aisa has a tattoo literally on her crotch. So I thought that was kind of 
something. Uh, I couldn't really make out what it was, and I unfortunately did not do the investigative journalism to delve further into what the tattoo on her crotch is. And my other thought was that Timmy doesn't look great in swim trucks. He definitely looks better in those little short ones he wore in Call Me By Your Name, but I would just say he looks better in clothes, not to body shame. Clearly, he's a beautiful boy, but Def looks better in clothes, if, if you want my honest opinion on it. And my favorite tweet when I was looking this up comes from at Dune on Twitter, and it said... <laughs> It's it was three pictures and it said the own holy trinity that was and it's a picture of banana which we've talked about on here Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas, Camila and Sean Mendez and then Aiza and Timmy and if that ain't some true shit I don't I don't know what is. All right, so next up we have finally part 3.1 of the Caroline Calloway I am Caroline Calloway series. And in this one, we kind of get a timeline of the days that happen between Natalie, the buildup of Natalie dropping her story, Caroline Calloway's father passing away, the press that she does immediately after that, and kind of how she keeps herself together. So I'm just going to read a few little sound bites from this that I found intriguing. So the first is this quote that says, hating extremely online women, and that's all capitalized each word, is the last guilt-free prejudice this world has left. And I was like, wow, like that might be kind of true, Caroline. That might be some serious prose right there. And then she talks about how in March 2019, she was really running out of cash. And (laughs) that's when it came time for her to cut back on going to therapy three times a week because she could no longer afford it. Um... Oh, no, I'm sorry. She says instead of doing that, she stopped paying her rent instead. I, I, I liked this analogy, too. She says, by April 2019, the articles calling me a scammer had long been forgotten by the people who read and wrote them, but their subject, hi, was still drowning in a personal sea of daily DMs and comments and Reddit threads. Drowning. Hair streaming upwards. Eyes open underwater. And she goes on, and it was it was a pretty compelling analogy. I have to get it to her. Give it to her again, guys. I'm paranoid about re- reading too much of these quotes because there's this very scary copyright notice at the bottom that's basically like, "We will come after you if you quote too much from this article." So I'm not trying to do that, y'all. Uh, so she did then talks about how she quit Adderall in May 2017, and then two years later, in May 2019, she uncapped her first plastic orange plastic prescription pill bottle in two years, and it was antidepressants, SSRI to be exact, which you guys know I love my Lexapro, so we just had to give that a shout out. And then in June 2019 is when she began selling her watercolor paintings, and in July 2019, she had saved up enough money to pay all of her back-owned rent. So at the time, I knew she was making a shit ton of money off the, those paintings, but damn. Because then she, in August 2019, started doing her Matisse Dreamer BBs, if you'll recall those. And uh, they they really popped off. And it was actually at that time that she kind of learned that Natalie's article was coming out. This was another quote I really enjoyed it says there are certain online personalities who stay relevant by force feeding you so many intimate details about them that when the next thing happens you can't help but care you're already too accidentally invested i call this dousing oneself in kardashian gasoline and she goes on to say that she along the way also doused herself in kardashian gasoline and ain't that the truth y'all like why can we not look away from the fire that is caroline cowley and i think she sums it up really beautifully right there 
And uh, she talks about the feelings she felt when she read I Was Caroline Calloway by Natalie Beach for the first time. And she said she laid down a pool of shame and worry so hot and syrupy it was closer to a kind of fear than humiliation. And she talks about the feelings she had when they included the part about suicide that she specifically did not want covered. And then she shares the very intimate detail that it was the father of her boyfriend from boarding school, the squash player she dated at Phillips Exeter, the one she lived with for a summer on Martha's Vineyard with his pastel poloed bros, she writes. He is the one that ends up telling her that her father had died. And I don't, she doesn't go into why he was the one to tell her this, but I was just like, wow, I cannot, can you imagine like what? What a mindfuck. And I I hate to take just talking about her father's death and say this, but has anything been more ripe for a movie? I mean, the story of how this time plays out is just a roller coaster that you don't know if you want to be on, but you just can't get off. All right. That was just a little brief update on that. Part two of I Am Caroline Calloway is still to come. And I will, of course, briefly give you all a recap of that when it comes out. But for our first actual diving in cut article of the day, it's by our girl, Sinjita Sinkertz, and it's called You've Probably Had the Ick Without Knowing It. The ick is essentially a turnoff. It's that cringy, unsettling feeling you get in your guts when someone you were previously enamored with becomes wholly repulsive to you. The ick is a blanket term for that feeling, which is usually brought on by a very small but specific thing, a quality, habit, or event that repels you from the object of your desire, sometimes for good. Now, she writes that this term came from Love Island. She says it was first coined by Olivia Atwood, a contestant on the reality dating show in 2017, who described, used it to describe her breakdown with fellow contestant. And she says, when you've seen a boy and got the ick, it doesn't go. It's caught you. It's taken over your body. It's just ick. I can't shake it off. I'm sorry. Again, I'm not good at accents, guys, but I just have fun doing them. And then she says that humorous examples of the ick can also be found across TikTok. I ghosted a guy once because I saw his butt crack when he got out of the car, wrote user Brianna Guess. Fortnite flossing, commented another. When he's at a dance and everyone's dancing in like a huddle and he's on the outside trying to get involved, wrote a third. And then Sanjita says there's more serious character-focused eggs. When they make insecure jokes about sensitive topics or when they're rude to strangers. Now, the comments from this pointed out that this actually was originated by a Sex in the City episode called The Ick Factor. And I just wanted y'all's feedback on what you consider some icks. One of the major ones to me is when people are rude to waiters, waitresses, bartenders. I just cannot deal with that. Or Uber drivers. Like anyone who's in a service industry, just being rude to people. And I'm sure I have un... Like knowingly done it because guys my uber rating is only a 4.7 that is bad and i would like to think it doesn't come from me but from like some bitches who've been in my car with me but i don't know like i it's made me reevaluate everything like maybe i'm not as nice and polite as i think i am but guys i swear i try uh but yeah, that's like a big one to me. They kind of briefly mentioned that in the article. But what are y'all's icks? Like, I don't know. I've never really been in love or really even that infatuated for something to turn me off that much. Um, so I don't know. I, I I don't have much experience in that field. So I would love for you guys to share yours. <laughs> Kenzie says she has a few. 
She says, I learned that. Ooh, okay, what a doozy. Uh, what's up with all these fireworks by Hannah Gold? I'm sure if you live in New York, you are very familiar with what's going on. I'm in West Palm, Florida, but I'll share my experience in a little bit. So Gotham Mist reported over the weekend that New Yorkers registered 236 times the amount of fireworks-related complaints between June 1st and June 19th, as they did in the same period last year. Now, there's a couple theories about what is causing this influx of fireworks to happen. Theory one is bored kids. And... There's a tweet that says, the other night I did some investigative reporting of my own about these fireworks. I went out of my building, walked up to the kids who were lighting them and said hello. You'll never believe this, but they live on my block and bought the fireworks because they were bored. And this was from at Jake Biddle on Twitter on June 21st, 2020. So I think that is a pretty reasonable theory. When kids get bored, they do stupid shit. My brother like broke his own nose once with his own knee. Like teen boys are idiots. Uh, theory two is elaborate psyops. So the second most popular explanation out there is a conspiracy theory that sees the fireworks as a government operation conducted by state forces like cops possibly to obstruct protests and other organizing efforts. The idea, was, which is based in decades of abuse of trust and bodies by police in black and brown communities, is that cops or other state agents are setting off the devices themselves so they can blame the ruckus on young people of color and take disciplinary action against them or breed suspicion and dissatisfaction in their communities. It's hard to say at the moment where these ideas originated, but what's clear is that they ended up on Twitter and spread like wildfire. So then the New York Times looked into it and they published an article and they found no evidence of police work or other government scheming, but they think it's likely because of fireworks being sold in nearby states like Pennsylvania that are traveling through New York. And notably, when they were questioned by the New York Times, the NYPD denied that it gave anyone fireworks and refused additional requests for comment as to where the unusually robust supply may be coming from. Interesting that they refused additional requests for comment. Make of that what you will. I have a third theory that I would like to add to the mix. So I've actually heard a few fireworks popping off around here. It's not extreme, and it usually happens around the same time at night. It's usually around like 10 or 11 and it'll just be a couple pops. It always freaks me out because in my mind they sound like gunshots. Uh, But the first time I noticed them and I noticed more than usual was the same day that I had witnessed a big Trump rally kind of happening along the water near our house. It was actually a boat parade and I don't know if this was sanctioned or official or what, but it was a boat parade and then there was all these people with Trump flags and Trump supporters up against the water like cheering them on notably most of them were not wearing masks and there was a lot of them um and i think there may be a connection between the trump supporters and the fireworks i don't know maybe that's just a long shot that's just my own little conspiracy to add to the mix but i don't know think about it just just keep just keep it in mind All right, guys, we are on to our legit shit of the week. Oh, and before we get into that, I hope you liked the special report from earlier this week. I'm still waiting for some more thoughts on it. 
please DM me. Again, I was having an existential crisis about this podcast this week because I was, again, having that feeling of just like shouting into the abyss. And I know like some of my friends listen to it. And I know obviously people do listen to this podcast. It's not a huge number, but I know y'all are out there. But I just feel like maybe if we had more conversations and a little more one-on-one, I'd feel more engaged and less like I'm speaking into the abyss. So if you want to help me out in that, just, you know, let me know. All right, so the legit ship for this week, I'm not proud of it. I don't, I'd rather be shouting out a small business right now. But at the beginning of quarantine, I bought a the boyfriend jogger and the boyfriend hoodie from the TNA line from Aritzia. And guys, these are the softest sweatpants I've ever put on my body in my entire life. I got them in white because as y'all are very aware, I get self-tan over all of my shit. So my theory was, well, if I can just bleach it, then it won't matter. But I don't think they're selling the white right now. And I think they're sold out of the joggers. But check out the hoodie. I'm telling you, it's expensive. But some of them are on sale. And I don't think you'll regret it. I got the biggest size. I got the size three. It's only size one, two, three. They're oversized. They're meant to feel like a boyfriend hoodie. Just just check it out. Or not. Buy from a small business and don't listen to the shit I say on here. All right. I'll see you next week. Bye.